You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Barnabas. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to today's Give Me the Bible program. I sincerely hope that what I share with you today will help you in your life's walk. As a teenager, I discovered about something about myself that some of my peers might have thought a bit odd. I love talking to and listening to old people because I found their life experiences, stories and wisdom fascinating. They seemed to have something that was worthwhile knowing. Probably this interest in the more elderly was influential in shaping my character. Because I recognise that some people have characters and characteristics that are positive and worthy of our emulation, is why I want to share with you today about a Bible character named Joseph. Hold on, Len, you might be thinking, isn't the program about Barnabas? You're right but I'm right as well. Take notice of this verse in Acts 4.36. This is where Barnabas gets first mention in the New Testament. You see, the newly formed Christian church was growing rapidly, and the Christians were held in contempt by the Jews. Already, with several thousand members, there were quite a lot of members who were unable to support themselves. So those who had wealth and assets helped support the needy. Now we come to verse 36 of Acts 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Although his real name was Joseph, he was given a kind of nickname, because Barnabas means son of encouragement, or, if you like, encourager. The fact this happened straight away tells us that Barnabas was a positive person who was willing to share what he had for the good of others. I expect this man was sincere and had been convicted by the Holy Spirit to become a Christian, although he was born a Jew. It's possible Barnabas had been a visitor from Cyprus in Jerusalem on a holy pilgrimage at that time and heard the powerful sermon about Jesus preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost. Barnabas may well have been one of those who, convicted by the Holy Spirit, asked the question, as recorded in Acts 2.37, "'Brothers, what shall we do to be saved?' To use a more modern expression, Barnabas was someone who put his money where his mouth was. The early Christian church was severely persecuted by the Jews to such a degree that many of the new Christian believers had to flee for their lives. This was largely due to the instigation of a zealous Pharisee named Saul. He took a band of men and rounded up the Christians, arrested them, and was responsible for their deaths and 
their harassment. This was all done with the approval of the Jewish leaders. Later, if you care to read Acts chapter 9, Saul himself became a Christian on the way to Damascus, where he intended to round up more Christians. Meanwhile, some of the Christians fled to Antioch, a city in Syria, then named Phoenicia, near the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea. These people shared their faith and witnessed about Jesus. The biblical account is found in Acts 11.21, which says, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Bible account continues in verses 22 and 23. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Then the Bible makes a comment about Barnabas, and I think this is such a beautiful statement. He, that's Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So Barnabas, both giving encouragement and receiving it because of the large number of believers, left and went to Tarsus where he found Saul, who by this time was himself a Christian, to bring him back to Antioch where they both guided the believers. Now from Acts 11 verses 25 and 26 we read, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. These days we would describe Paul and Barnabas as ministers, but they regarded themselves more as missionaries. But how could both Paul and Barnabas be leaders in the church at Antioch? Well, the Bible tells that after his conversion, Paul was instructed by the Lord himself. And I want to read to you part of Paul's personal testimony found in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 20. And here's what he says, about himself. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. 
My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him fifteen days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Okay, that's about Paul. What about Barnabas? Well, the Bible does not say, but it is reasonable to believe that the Holy Spirit revealed much to Barnabas. He also must have learned from Paul. In any case, the Lord used Barnabas in a mighty way, innovating, strengthening and encouraging the new Christian believers in Antioch. A year passed. Others began to take leadership roles at Antioch. Now I want to read from Acts 13 verses 2 and 3. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So began a missionary journey where Paul and Barnabas together preached the gospel in some of the Mediterranean islands and in eastern Greece in the area above the Aegean Sea, known as Galatia. Wherever they went, people turned to the Lord and churches were established. Pagans became Christians, believing in salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, there comes a major upset. We read of this in Acts 14, verses 8 to 15. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked at him directly saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet! At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what, uh, saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, Oh, the gods have come down to us in human form! Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends! Why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things 
to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. These pagan people thought Paul and Barnabas were pagan gods and wanted to worship them. Paul pleaded with them, stating that they were mere humans and the power of healing the crippled man came from the Almighty God. But Satan sent some Jews to stir up the crowd and with crowd psychology at work, attempted to kill Paul by stoning him. But God protected him. The next day, Paul and Barnabas continued on. This time they headed for Derby, about a hundred kilometres away. So these two committed Christians continued working for the Lord around the country. By this time others had joined them, including a young man, a relative of Barnabas. His name was John Mark. After their first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas were back in Antioch, no doubt strengthening the faith of and encouraging the believers there. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They, that's Paul and Barnabas, had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. We're going to have a little break and go on straight afterwards. God will walk with me down streets where no one else will walk. God will talk with me of things that no one else will talk. When no one else will walk and no Share with me The little worries No one knows Are there God will care For me Whenever There is no one else To care When no one Will be there And no one else Will share Think of me when friends forget and fail to understand. God will strengthen me when I am weak and need a helping hand. 
when no one understands or lends a helping hand when no one will God will when no one will God will well just before the break I mentioned and read to you from the Bible how that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement and they parted company. Do you know, the Bible narrative has little more to say about Barnabas, although mention is made of him in 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians and Colossians. But given his faithfulness to the Lord, and the tireless service he made, there is little doubt that he remained faithful and did what he could to promote the work of the Lord until the day he died. The New Testament does record the names of five workers for the Lord who turned their back, who turned back, I should say, to their pagan ways. They were Demas, Hymenus, Alexander, Philetus, and Diotrephes. The Apostle Peter mentions others, but not by name, who did the same. Barnabas was not one of them. You know, it's a fairly common teaching in many Protestant churches that when a person accepts Jesus as his or her saviour, there is no turning back. This is known as once saved, always saved. But that teaching, although I would like it to be true, is not true. There have been many people who became saved but then apostatized, that is, turned back to their old worldly ways and completely gave up their faith in the Lord. And I've known some people who did just that. The Apostle Peter has written about such people in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. And here's what he says. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Salvation, that is being saved, involves choice, our choice. God does not want anyone to be lost, but he will not use force. We're all given the option of being saved or not, as was the case when Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel message in Asia Minor. Some accepted the Lord, some did not. That is choice in action. But choice extends beyond that. When someone becomes a child of God, becomes saved, it is not automatic that he or she will stay that way. There are plenty of biblical injunctions to work at our salvation. And here's one. 
It's Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here's another one. Ephesians six ten and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It is necessary for any Christian to remain in contact with the Lord, just as in any relationship. Contact is important. Otherwise, people will drift apart. In our Christian walk with God, we need to pray. We need to read and study God's Word, the Bible. And we need to share the hope that's in us. Barnabas was a godly man, and he remained that way. The allurements of this world had no attraction for him. He set his mind to serve with his whole heart. And that's why... I regard Barnabas as a good role model. Do you remember the description about Barnabas? It was, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Now, I don't know if I'll be alive when Jesus returns. I know he's coming soon. But if I'm called from uh, the grave to eternal life, that is all good with me. But should my grave be marked with a headstone, I aspire to be like Barnabas. It would be an honour to have the inscription, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. For me now is to live that way. If you want an inspiring character of the Bible to read, why don't you read Hebrews 11? Yes, that's right, Hebrews 11. It's known as the faith chapter and records the names of people of the Old Testament who were faithful to God. No New Testament characters are mentioned, but if there was a list compiled from the New Testament people, Barnabas would surely qualify to be on that list. But going even further into the 21st century, what if there was a list compiled of people who are known to be faithful to the Lord. Would my name be on that list? What about you? Would your name appear there? Or would there be another list on which were written the names of those who were unfaithful, such as Demas, Diotrephes, Alexander, Philetus and Hymenus? My dear friends, when you think seriously about your life, The only thing worth having, worth fighting for, worth hanging in there for is to have your name recorded in God's list of those who are faithful. To them will be given eternal life. And Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 tells of the fate of the unfaithful. It says, Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Ah, my friends, you have the choice. It's a matter of life and death.
Like Barnabas, choose life. Aspire with me, if you will, to be like Barnabas, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith.